This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton and the Boston Consulting Group. Procurement has become an integral part of corporate performance and is drawing increased attention from senior management. In this interview, Andreas Goka, a BCG partner and managing director, spoke with Knowledge at Wharton about the most critical challenges facing procurement organizations over the next five to ten years, including training and employee development, managing global sourcing offices, and ensuring collaboration across corporate departments. Well, Andreas, thanks for joining us today. Uh, there's a lot to cover, so um, uh, we'll get right to it. Can you talk a little bit about the biggest challenges that procurement organizations face today? Yeah, like um, BCT did a procurement roundtable with about 30 European CPOs uh, three weeks ago. And uh, we did a sh- quick survey about these, um, the most challenging topics for the next five to ten years. And surprisingly enough, um, people training and development was like the number one topic as the key, let's say, challenge for the procurement organization. That includes skill development, that includes the right recruiting and retention practices, that includes also um, career paths in other functions outside of uh, procurement as well. Number two was um, also related to organizational aspects was the organization of global sourcing, that is how to set up and how to manage uh, global sourcing offices, that is also more in terms of processes, the linkage between um, between the um, global sourcing offices and the headquarter. It's also how the global sourcing offices do work with other non-procurement functions. So that's number two. And, um, and number three is cross-functional collaboration. That is, how does procurement work with... Um, not only like engineering and um, and quality management, which is in the nature of the procurement department for a long time already, but also in other, uh, with other functions like sales marketing when it comes to requirements management, but also with finance and controlling, that's also um, with uh, logistics and supply chain management. These are the top three, people training and development, global sourcing organization, and cross-functional collaboration. Now, are, are those three um, much different from uh, the challenge that, that, that faced procurement people 10 or 15 or 20 years ago? Yeah, I think, um, like, let's say 10, 15 years ago, procurement was still fighting for its, let's say, organizational significance. Are they listened and are they have the, the right organizational position? I think this is, in most organizations which we see right now, this point has been reached already. Um, there's not so much a challenge anymore for procurement to be accepted as a strategic business partner inside the organization or being accepted as the adding value partner in the organization. So it's more now how to move ahead and forward in this, say, um, significant strategic position inside an organization. In the uh, war for talents, which we see in all three regions, by the way, it's not only a a European or uh, American uh, issue, people, people, people will also face the procurement 
department, for sure. Okay. So um, you mentioned a moment ago that um, uh, that procurement has become more accepted as an integral part of um, of organizations. So, therefore, it seems like it's it's more strategic than ever. Can you talk a little bit about the reasons why that's the case? If you see to if you look into major global corporations' profit and loss accounts, you see already the answer. The share of material cost and the share of um, purchased services is growing continuously. And um, we have um, we have some um, comparisons uh, what kind of uh, external delivery for automotive OEMs, for instance, is like the, the pace setter of these developments will grow over the next uh, couple of years. There's there's a, the uh, ratio is between five and ten percent in absolute terms per annum over the next uh, couple of years. That's a, a very quantitative aspect. But if you see the qualitative aspect as well, sourcing now becomes also the let's say gatekeeper for supplier innovations. And um, most of the top companies around the world cannot survive, and they depend on the innovation power of their suppliers. And it's the sourcing uh, organization which is able or not able. So therefore, they decide or they do not decide about um, uh, their overall organization's success on this issue. The technology competence with suppliers is more and more growing. You can easily measure that by number of patents which are applied in, uh, in, in many industries. And even the, the, uh, the customer organizations say the supplier will influence our technological development more and more. Um, and uh, therefore, sourcing will be the, yeah, the organization unit which will manage these, these aspects. So if, uh, if procurement is becoming um, increasingly important and strategic, um, getting back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago, which was retention and development of key people in this area, where, where are organizations finding the best people? How, is it, uh, how do they go about doing that, and is it a, is it a difficult task? This is one of um, the key questions where we need to confess not to have the, the right answer yet. And organizations um, and CPLs don't have the answer um, neither. There is, unlike most other functions, there is not the academic purchasing manager education. You don't find, or only very strongly, a master education in purchasing. Very few universities around the world are really focused and specialized on purchasing as an education path by itself. So we are working with our clients to develop those career paths by themselves. They cannot wait for the outside world. They need to develop that internally by setting up career paths across different functions, by setting up education programs for hard skills, language, engineering, whatever, but also soft skills which are becoming more and more important, like project management, like way working in different cultures, like working in different um, business contexts. These um, skills need to be 
developed by the own organization. Don't wait for the outside world to support you in this. And, and because global sourcing uh, is the second of those three important topics that were discussed at the, at the, the summit that you talked about a little while ago, um, it would seem that the, the type of people that would be um, best suited for uh, global sourcing would be people with the kind of skills you just mentioned. Also, a moment. Um, I would even, yeah, I would even stress dif- slightly additional. I would say even additional uh, skills. Um, uh, if you reflect, what does global sourcing mean? You need to set up in a global sourcing office somewhere in China or in India. You, it's more uh, entrepreneurial groundwork, so to speak. Um, and those people there need to be much more entrepreneurs. They need to be. Uh, they need to improvise. Um, they need to bridge their home organization, their headquarter, with their local supplier market. So the intercultural management skills, I would say, regard as even more important than, it, let's say, as a domestic uh, purchasing manager. Is it is is being a um uh, purchasing manager or, or chief procurement officer or whatever the, the organizational title happens to be, is it a good career path for those people? Um, if, um, uh, if procurement is increasingly important, um, would, is it a good idea for people to seek those jobs out if they think that they can do well at them? In terms of status quo, I would be honest and rather critical. In terms of potential, I would be very positive. Let me talk about the status quo. Um, those managers who are like, traditional-wise in sales, marketing, those who contribute to the top line are still regarded as the most contributing to corporate success. Um, those who improve the bottom line by cost improvements, by volume reductions, by whatsoever, still have um, a lower reputation as to contributing to corporate success. This is changing. As I mentioned in my uh, answer five minutes ago, uh, as purchasing becomes more and more the gatekeeper for innovation of suppliers, for instance, this innovation will sometime later will result into additional sales. So suddenly you have a bridge from supplier his innovation power, bringing this innovation power into the customer organization, thereby developing more and more to customers' innovation, and thereby contributing to our own corporate success on top line. So suddenly, purchasing not only becomes bottom line impact, but also top line impact. And in this moment, the sales uh, purchasing manager is... It has a huge potential, has a huge potential, and we see this also reflected in the corporate organizations. More and more organizations in the automotive industry, like the front runner in this dimension, um, have a, a CPO function on board level. Uh, that has not been the case some uh, 10, 15 years ago. In, in most organizations, CPOs reported either to the, uh, let's say, chief technical um, officer the chief engineering officer, or to the COO, or to the CFO. Now we see that the CPO, um, as I mentioned, um, has his own position in the organization. Andreas, um, 
uh, let's address the issue for a moment or two, if we can, about the um, uh, the importance for procurement to work um, in tandem uh, with other functions in the company. Could you say that at one time maybe procurement was more of a standalone kind of operation off to the side and that it's more integrated today? Would that be an accurate statement or, or not? It depends. Um, if we see the history of um, the history of purchasing, then um, then that would give you kind of um, a kind of maturity progress. And um, when we see different organizations and, and along across history, we see like uh, six different uh, steps. And like the first one was like more serve the factory, um, if you call it like a theme, serve the factory. That is, you are more in purchasing was more in clerical and logistics uh, activities. So these skills were requested. Then, if you take the next step, it's more like reaching the lowest unit cost, if you call this theme, lowest unit cost. And um, here, the, the purchasing organization was rather in pushing and um, pressing the supplier and negotiating tough. That was sufficient enough. Suddenly, the third step, which we'll call in the theme coordinated purchasing, sourcing was... Uh, needed to have the input of other functions to make the supplier-customer relationship better. In the fourth step, which we have the theme cross-functional purchasing here, what you ask about is that um, suddenly um, the purchasing department was one part, an equal part across different functions, which all contribute to the corporate success. Each function was depending on the other, hereby especially technical improvement levers like make or buy, like standardization, like design to cost, and process uh, improvement levers like um, demand bundling. For those, to, to enable those levers, you need to have cross-functional uh, work where purchasing is across engineering, quality management, sales marketing. The fifth step is world class supplier management. And here you have this even more added with an intercultural um, intercultural um, 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 aspect here. And the sixth step, which I would regard as like the highest aspiration level, is you have an entrepreneurial purchasing. And this entrepreneurial purchasing, purchasing behaves like cost and profit center as well. So they are building up supplier networks by themselves. They are offering supplier networks to the rest of the organization. They bring in ideas. They are the gatekeepers of supplier ideas into the organization. So purchasing is not reacting on the organization demand, but it's vice versa. Sourcing brings in own initiatives and thereby triggers the rest of the organization. Is that answering your question? Yes, I think that's a very important point. Um, it, it certainly is. Um, Andreas, a, a few minutes ago you mentioned, um, uh, again, as one of those three important themes that emerged from your meeting, uh, global sourcing. Um, does, does global procurement, in your view, um, demand any special skills or organizational needs? Mm, it's a... Uh... Yeah, 
I think, and that's the reason why many uh, organizations, as we can see, are not there where they want to be with regards to global sourcing. Global sourcing is not just identifying a Chinese supplier in mainland China and then signing the contract and that's it. It's changing, or the, 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 it's the need to change entire sourcing process. What do I mean with that? If you are really taking it serious with global sourcing, you need to sometimes extend your development process to allow a longer screening phase for new suppliers, to uh, allow longer trial periods with new suppliers, etc. If you don't reflect that in your incumbent processes, you will not have a, you will not have a successful global sourcing. And this also then comes into play for the the need in the organization to to reflect those to, to, to reflect those requirements in terms of process. So you need people and also departments who know how to deal with those um, with those challenges. Um, you need uh, for global sourcing organization you need to ensure that the global sourcing offices around the world have really equal power with their, let's say, competitors inside the headquarter organization, which do domestic or just regional sourcing. Um, you need to have um, sometimes more resources because you need to write specifications sometimes in the language of the um, global sourcing country, like uh, Chinese or uh, on, in India it's mostly English, but in Chinese, China that's a, it's a huge challenge. Um, Eastern Europe is also a huge challenge. You need maybe more uh, resources in terms of supplier qualification management. So in terms of skills, resources, new processes, organizations need to, lead, need to learn more. Andreas, uh, finally, um, you're based in Munich uh, in Germany. Um, do you see any significant differences between the way uh, companies in Europe and companies, say, in North America, approach the whole um, topic of purchasing? Um, I think in, yeah, in, in, in um, maybe two dimensions, I would say. Um, the, for the first dimension, I'm rather sure. The second one is a, still a, a hypothesis level. The first one is the openness towards global sourcing, since like Europe has its global sourcing market direct next door, which is Eastern Europe, and let's say Western Europe is used to work with Polish, with Czech, with also Turkish supplier already for the last 30 and even 50 years. Um, the it's not so much a huge challenge to expand this global sourcing uh, level towards Asia. And that's a big difference towards U.S. purchasing organizations. They might have a link towards Mexico in the NAFTA region, yes? Okay. But this is not such a huge... Uh, it's not comparable to deal with like 10, 12 different Eastern European 
countries, or including Turkey, is in 13, 14 countries. This is a, this is a difference. Number two is um, there might be a slightly different understanding in terms of supplier-customer relationship management in Europe compared to the U.S., especially if we see the automotive industry. Um, the the openness for more trustful supplier-customer relationships are slightly higher and more developed in Europe, but we see that the big three in Detroit are also opening up more and see some successful models in Europe. Um, and they have learned that they cannot rely on um, on those supplier-customer relationships which are doomed to fail because they are just on, based on pressure or on, uh, on market power that will not be successful. And the result, unfortunately, is there that many Tier 1 suppliers are close to bankruptcy, are not managed well, and uh, there needs to be, I would even say, a turnaround management for most of the, uh, of the uh, relationships. Well, from everything you've discussed today, it, it certainly sounds as if uh, purchasing will um, only become more important uh, in the years ahead uh, for organizations of all kinds. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on this. Uh, the technology industry and the automotive industry, I think they have already um, significant, uh, sufficient emphasis on the procurement organization, and the reputation is high. As I mentioned, we have the CPO on a board level, we have cross-functional teamwork. We we have a more and more sophisticated supplier relationship management tools and also processes. And now it comes over to other industries as well, um, like machinery industry, um, also the um, utility supplier industry. Um, so we, I definitely am positive with your um, observation that. Uh, purchasing will become more and more relevant and strategic function. We've been speaking with Andreas Gacke of the Boston Consulting Group in Munich. Andreas, thanks for joining us and sharing your views. Thank you, Steve, for the interview. Thank you for listening to part two of our series on procurement. In the next segment, Marshall Fisher, Professor of Operations and Information Management at Wharton, will discuss the growth of Chinese supplier-manufacturer Luan Tai and some of the challenges facing global procurement. For more information about the Boston Consulting Group, visit bcg.com. For business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.